Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey y'all, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited to share today's topic. I hope it'll be super useful to you. So we're going to talk today about planning for your week. And I find that really diving into this topic and learning about it is super important at any time of year where there's a big transition. Anytime of year where there's a big transition, I just find that we really have to look at our plans, look what we're up to, look at how we get quote unquote stuff done and understand as people who might have children and things to do around the house and work we want to do and also that self-care that is calling our names and needing us to dial into it so that we can take care of ourselves. Sometimes in these transitions, it's hard to do all these things at once, or it feels hard to do all these things at once. I don't believe it actually is. It's just, it has to look a little bit different. And so we really need to look at our planning and make a plan to change our planning, if that makes any sense. So it just so happens that as I'm thinking about this myself, so as this is going live, it is the end of the school year. I have three kids home for the summer, and I also have two super exciting projects that I'm working on. We're going to launch the next version of Flow Through 65 in just a little bit, and I'm also recreating, redesigning the Flow Planner so that it can really talk to all the comments I've gotten over the course of the year and respond to just all the work that everyone in Flow 365 has done so that it really can serve women who it's supposed to serve. So I'm super excited about all of this, but it just means that at this time when my kids are winding down from their, you know, structured days into unstructured days, I'm wanting to wind up into structured days. And if you can imagine that might clash a little bit. So that's happening and that's why I'm really thinking about how my weeks are organized right now. And so I thought I'd share that a little bit with you. And at the same time, I'm actually doing a lot of research. So I really wanted to dive in as I work, started work on these two projects that I just alluded to, both um, Flow365 and The Planner. I really wanted to understand studies behind planning and understand productivity studies and what great people have said about this topic over time and just see where there's similarities and see where there's differences and just really understand what has worked for people um, before, before I was doing this. And so the book that I picked up last week was Michael Hyatt's book, Free to Focus. And I actually highly recommend reading it. I love it. Um, I've loved reading it. I think it's really fascinating to read books about productivity if anything, just to show us that little tweaks can make a big impact in our life and that planning is important. Someday I hope to add to this list of books, but for right now I have the stack I have and that's what I'm using. 
And what was fascinating to me is when I got to the part about designing the week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share his process, Michael Hyatt's process for how to design your week. And the interesting part about reading his book is I actually use some of the same language he uses, which was really interesting because I hadn't read his work before. Um, but also because I think he's just pulling from some of the previous generations of productivity people as well that I have also pulled from like Stephen Covey and Eisenhower has this whole productivity grid and all these are things that I studied before diving into this myself and he alludes to in his book. So he suggests that there are six things that we should consider as we're designing our week, like a six step process. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share that with you and then we're going to go back through it. And I think my biggest aha, and I mean, I sort of knew this because it's why I did what I do, what I do, but it was really interesting to see how women might not be served in the old way. And even what seems like kind of forward thinking about productivity, that it's based in these old studies makes it not quite as feminine in its model as maybe it could be um, because it really is based in in our patriarchy. And you know, you guys should all go back and listen to Sarah Jenks episode on the podcast. She talks a lot about this and the limits that maybe our patriarchy has created for women. It's super interesting to listen to and you know, not at all complainy, which is why I love it. It's just more about how we can empower ourselves to do the things that we need to do. And that's what I hope to do today around planning. So Michael has these six steps. The first one is, well, actually I'm going to go back to sort of step zero. So there'll be seven. So zero is to make time once a week to commit to your plan for the following week. And he actually has a similar suggestion that I have, and that is to either plan on Friday, Sunday, or Monday morning for the week that follows. So Monday morning would be the start of the week. Monday morning for me has always felt a little late, mostly because I have children. And so my Monday morning is kind of after they've gone off to school, maybe closer to nine. And I already feel like the day has started if I'm planning then. And I, it makes me feel behind. And Sunday works great sometimes, although Sunday is sometimes a day that I'm just with my family and um, you know, it's actually great for planning sometimes, but the reason I love Friday is because it really enables me to be on top of food because if I'm planning on Friday, and I'll get to this in a minute, but that means I've also planned my food and I can use the weekend to really move it forward. So that's sort of step zero is just to make the time and newsflash, in order to make the time, it's really helpful to put the time into your calendar. So I highly recommend doing that. Just making a repeat date, um, at least for the next month, choose one of those days, experiment with whether it works. And if it doesn't work, then change the time and date and do it sometime else. I recommend that this time be nourishing um, and not stressful. So if there are, if your kids are around, maybe you put out some crayons and some paper and they can sit down and draw while you're doing your plan. If they're older, maybe they're off doing their old, own thing, but you just 
say, set the intention that you're going to sit down. Maybe you light a candle, make yourself a cup of tea, have your favorite chocolate, whatever it is, just make it a nourishing experience and possibly one where you're not like starving while you're doing it. That's actually always a good tip because meal planning might be involved in your weekly plan. Okay. So that is step zero. So here comes step one list your biggest wins. So always start the process of planning for your the following week by listing your wins from the previous week. And we're going to go a little further into this in a second because there is one big thing that some of you may need to do um, as women who've, who are pleasers, maybe who are people pleasers, that might be a little bit different than this step. So his first step is list your biggest wins. Just spend like two minutes and really acknowledge what went well the previous week. And the second thing is to review your prior week. And I feel like review is a nice word because since you've already gone through and listed your biggest wins, review might be more like a critique. And I happen to have gone to art school and love the idea of the word critique. And basically when I was in art school, we would do our homework, whatever it was, maybe make a poster and we would bring it to the classroom and we would post it up and people would comment on it, like whether it really conveyed the message we were trying or whether that picture felt like it was in the right place or that word looked like it was the right typography. And it wasn't always, you know, it wasn't always like, this is great. Sometimes things weren't right and you had to fix them, but it was an opportunity to really take that in. And that's how I think of this step as Michael explains it. Like this is an opportunity to not feel bad about the things that didn't happen or went a little wrong, but to learn from them so that the next week you can make a different choice. So number one, list your biggest wins. Number two, he says, review your prior week. Let's call it critique your prior prior week. Number three, review your lists and notes. So as you're writing lists during the week or thinking of what you have to, to do, or you have an idea and you write it on a scrap piece of paper, um, look at those in that weekly time. What do you need to remind yourself of? Maybe you wrote down like in a corner of some of your calendar or in a note on your phone to buy your grandmother a present. Or maybe you had this great idea for a presentation you have to put together and you wrote that somewhere. Look for those. And that is going to lead me to the recommendation to make sure you start writing all those in one place. It's really helpful. Okay. Number four is check in on goals, projects, events, meetings, and deadlines. I'm going to leave it at that for this, but we're going to come back to that one, okay? So you're basically, your lists might be like things you don't want to forget and remember. Number four is really checking in on the bigger picture um, and make sure maybe that you're moving toward that and projects and events that might already be in the calendar and just see understanding how those all work into your week. Number five is designate your weekly big three. So in the flow planner world, we call this your three big rocks. And this idea actually really came from Stephen Covey. And I'll explain it really quickly here, just in case you don't know my analogy for it, which comes from Stephen Covey. And this is the idea that let's say you have this pile of rocks, a pile of pebbles and a pile of sand. And they're all on a counter. And then you have a ball jar because we love ball jars. And 
I tell you that all these things can fit in the jar um, if you do it the right way. And let's say that the big rocks really represent your big life goals, like the really important things, the things that might not be so visible, you might not have time for every day, like your health and your relationships and, you know, you're taking care of yourself, all these things. So your kids, like those are the big rocks, the important things that are really value-based that you really care about. And the pebbles are, those might be the big projects. Those might be appointments. Um, your big rock might be a goal related to a goal, but usually it's even bigger than that. So the pebbles are, are these somewhat big things, mostly that you've decided to do may happen at a time you want them to or not. Those are the pebbles. Um, and the sand is all the little things. It's the carpool you have to drive. It's the emails that are coming in. It's the appointment you have to go to. It's the phone you have to answer. It's the meal you have to cook. It's all the little things. And what happens is if in your jar, you put the sand, right? Because you can imagine all the little things. You put the sand in first, and then you put the pebbles, and then you put the big rocks. The big rocks won't really fit. Like you'll get maybe one in, maybe two, depending on their shape. But if there's five or six, they're not going to all fit, maybe one or two. But if you dump it out and start over and you put the big rocks in first, and then you put the pebbles in and they sort of go in between some of the cracks, shake it up a little, and then you put the sand in, it all fits. And the lesson of this is to really start with those things that bring us toward the life that we want and how the little things can fill up all that space without us even meaning it to. So that's the idea behind the three rocks. And the interesting part about the book in Michael's book is that this part is the longest explaining how to choose your three big rocks. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes, but he outlines the Eisenhower priority matrix, which is this way to figure out what those big rocks might be for you in a given week. Um, it's a little technical and it really does feel like, I, I don't know, it feels like something I wouldn't necessarily do. Um, I feel like we as women might intuitively know what those three things are on any given week. I don't know. Maybe that's a big generalization, but that's my, my gut feeling. Um, and so, so you figure out what these three things are. And we're going to go back to that in a sec, because what I realized, what really stuck with me as I was going through this productivity book, and I have a stack of like, I don't know, 15 that I've been going through and really studying to see where the, these overlaps are. And I just realized how not only work-based it is, because obviously productivity really maps back to this idea of a work, a job, but how even though he's actually an entrepreneur at this point, but how that the energy of just how we plan is really mapped to this old structure of, you know, w working nine to five and the man going off to work from nine to five and it doesn't incorporate like where the family is, you know, lots of things are built into the day, but not necessarily 
all the little things that we worry about as a mom. And so we're going to come back to that point in a minute, but that's just really important to point out because I think that the idea of picking the three things that you're going to focus on for the week is key. It's why I put it into the flow planner. But what you pick might be a little different than our male counterparts. Okay. And then number six, which brings me to number six, is to plan for your rejuvenation. So this is things like sleep, exercise, food, creativity, play, time away from your computer. I think those are some of his examples of different ways that that might work. And so so you're, those are the six things that you would want to play for, pay, play for, play with as you plan your week. And here's where I think we're a little different. Okay. So number one, listing your big wins. I think this is an awesome practice. In the flow planner, we actually build it into doing at the end of every month, we really get nuanced about what wins were, and we really sort of critique how we moved forward in our goals. And we look at our goals in terms of the four flow categories, in terms of food, lifestyle, omen, work. So we do that at the end of every month. We don't so much do it at the end of every week. And here's why. I actually think that we, as women, might need to do it every day. So this could be up for debate. You're welcome to write me an email and tell me why you want to do it every week instead. But what I find is that as women who take on so much, wear so many hats, are thinking about everybody by ourselves, we really need to remember on a daily basis our wins. And in the flow planner, I call these magic moments. And they're just those moments where you know you did well. And it's not necessarily about checking things off your list. It's really about understanding, you know, what you said you wanted to do, what you actually did, and what magic that led to. So that would be my comment on the first one, which is listing listing your biggest wins for the week, which I think is a great practice. Um, but in case that's hard for you, I would do it every day. Um, and then you can do it at the end of the week too by looking over what you wrote every day. But for many people, if you just do it at the end of the week, it's really hard to recall the big wins. And I really want you guys thinking of those on a really regular basis. Okay. Number two, review your prior week or critique your prior week. This is an amazing practice and I think we should all do this. And I think it's really important to catch things like just to understand where maybe you don't have a boundary. So I think the biggest things we can learn from really critiquing our week is where we need better boundaries. So maybe it was that you had a sick child and so as a result, you couldn't go to exercise twice and you spent two days home from work and got really behind. And so at the end of the week, you just have to under, get neutral about that. You have to really understand, you know, was there something else you needed to do? Was it 
was, did it feel so much better to be home with your child and really love them? And that canceled out the fact that whatever you were supposed to do, you didn't do. Would it have been nice if you figured out a way to fit in that exercise or get support to fit in that exercise so that that part of you could be taken care of? Um, so that when you got back to your sort of work goals, when you were back at work, your body felt better. So these are the kinds of things I want us thinking about as we're critiquing our week. Um, maybe it was that you had a great week doing work and you were so into your work and into, and you were so good at transitioning into being with your kids after that you sort of let food go. And that changed something in you because maybe you had too much sugar or you kept going for your coffee or a glass of wine. And that really affected how by the end of the week you could show up for your family. So I'm just making these up as I go, but these are all things that we would do in the critique phase. So that one, I would just leave alone. I love that tip. I think it's fantastic. First two, I really think are fantastic. I just think we might have to remind ourselves a little bit more often. Um, if you have a hard time, actually on number two, I'm critiquing your week. If you have a hard time sticking to your goals, and we're going to get into what those goals might be in a second, but if you have a hard time saying that you're going to do X and then doing Y instead. So I don't know, maybe you say you're going to sit and write for two hours, but you end up surfing Facebook or you say you're going to eat a salad for lunch, but you forget. And then you end up eating two protein bars or something. Um, and you just feel like you're not accountable to what you even plan. You say you want to do then a daily practice you could do to help with that would be to just make sure that wherever you're writing your time, and in the flow planner, every day there's, you know, a, I don't know, maybe it's two and a half or three inches wide space that has all, you know, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. so that you sort of block out the time of your day. And what I do is I just take up half that space and then I go back at the end of the day and I'm like, oh, from 9 to 11, I said I would write, but I didn't start till 9.30. What was I doing between 9 and 9.30? Oh, I had, I, you know, my morning got off, so I made my smoothie then, or I totally procrastinated because I was supposed to post on Instagram and I looked at all my friends instead. Whatever it was, like I write that down so I can learn on a daily basis when I'm feeling like I'm really off and it's hard for me to do what I want to, what I say I want to do. Okay. So number three that Michael Hyatt shared in his book, Free to Focus, which is where we're getting these from, is to review your lists and notes. So I love this one. And if you're anything like me, you probably have a lot of pieces of paper with your notes. So the big change, which I already said I would do here, is just keep them all in one place and actually know that writing those lists, writing those notes, I actually call that a um, master list or a mind dump is actually a really good practice. So if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, just write that list that you, and then you'll have one to review because just getting those things out of our head and onto paper is really huge. And then you'll actually have something to review when you're planning your next week. A lot of times when people say they have a really hard time planning, um, this happens a lot also with meal planning. They just say they sit down and there's like nothing. Like they don't know what they're supposed to do. It's hard to come up with their big three. They're not sure what they're supposed to eat for the week, all that kind of stuff. And um, what I recommend is that mind dump and really just getting everything out of their head and onto paper and not worrying where it, 
worrying about where it fits into time yet. So if you don't have those mega lists, that might be something that you do. And if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, it might also be something you do. Okay. The next one is to check your goals, your projects, your events, your meetings, your deadlines. And I would say, you know, check your kids' schedules, check your husband's schedule, and really understand and recall, really understand why you're doing all this. So I'm not talking about this in this episode. I will link to the 10-year plan one. I also did a whole challenge on the 10-year plan. I think you could still probably find that in our Instagram feed. Um, But really understanding why you're doing this work, like why you're wanting to live your best life is super helpful. And that would be something that as well you would review at this time so that you're really making choices that fall into those things that are your values that are are pulling you forward. Um, so that's number four. So it's very similar, except I think it's just a little less like meeting deadline, even if you work nine to five. So I definitely, in Flow 365 this year, there's a couple women who actually have nine to fives or nine to eights or whatever. I feel like everyone always works much longer. We have a nurse who works 12-hour shifts. Um, Brandy, you can go listen to her episode too. And what's so interesting is that still when we as women spend all day in an office, we think about all these things. And I can't do the math as I'm sitting here talking to you and recording this, um, but you can do the math. But the average woman thinks about what's for dinner, thinks, just thinks about it, wastes brain space thinking about what's for dinner, anywhere from a half an hour to an hour while she's at work. So, and this is things like going through your head, like, oh wait, what are we having for dinner? Oh yeah, we have that in the fridge. Wait a second, do I really want that? Oh, wait, maybe we don't have that. I wonder if I have to go to the grocery store. Oh man, I'll have to take the kids to the grocery store because I have to pick them. And we're like literally doing this thing in our head about what's for dinner because we're not quite sure. We haven't planned that out. And imagine a half an hour to an hour a day. So let's say it's an hour just because that's easier math a day. And there's 365 days in a year. And then divide that by a 40-hour work week. You guys, we're in like four to six weeks of vacation crazy. Now you can go do that math, but I can't remember whether it was four to six weeks of vacation, if it was a half hour or an hour, but anyway, it's obscene how much time we think about this. And instead of thinking about that, we could be having some genius idea in our work or being more in tune with someone who's in our work or getting out early and going home and being with our kids, right? So we don't need to waste that, that mind space on those things. Um, so the idea that we're not only checking goals, projects, events, meetings is not just a thing for, you know, moms doing a little side hustle or, um, staying home with the kids. That's for everyone. Cause I know we all think a little bit more holistically about our lives than just the projects that are happening at work. Okay. Number five is to designate your weekly big three. Now, this is where I run into a lot of problems with a lot of the ways that we write about productivity. Um, And I did notice that most of the books that I have, maybe 95% of them are written by men, especially the older ones. So there's a lot of, there's some newer ones that are coming out that are written by women, but the older ones are all written by men. 
And so the weekly big three really are about the three things like their most of their week is just about being in the office. And so a lot of the talk about like picking your big rocks um, from Stephen Covey and the weekly big three from Michael Hyatt, like these are all very work based. And this is where I think even if you have that much work and you have that many projects, I think as women, it's really helpful to at least have one of our weekly big three be from one of the other categories. Um, and so we're really focusing more holistically on our life. And here's where this can make a big difference. So the, again, the four categories are food, lifestyle, omen, work. So let's say you have two big work projects and those both make it into two of your weekly three. Um, we'll do a scenario where there's only one. So you have these two big work projects. Well, what if one of the projects needs so much of your creative power, but because the week is so busy, you didn't meal plan at all. And as a result, every single night you guys are getting takeout and you're eating macaroni and cheese and you're dehydrated and you're living on coffee and your body is literally not thriving how do you think that's going to affect your creativity and your work? You see that? And so one of your weekly big three might be really around your food and meal planning and grocery shopping and spending a chunk of time packing your lunches for the day and filling your water bottles. And that's what the to-do looks like. It's about those things because those things are so tied into the work you're going to get done. Now, this is not a woman specific thing at all. Like that would totally go for a man as well. But these are just examples of, you know, some of the things that I think even sometimes our partners can do better than us um, because it's easier to disconnect for them sometimes than it is for us from all the things that we're doing for other people. And another example might be that maybe you work from home like I do and you have two big projects like I do <laughs> and your house feels really messy. And technically you should be able to work no matter what your house looks like. That shouldn't really get in the way, but you keep looking up and it just feels like bothersome. So maybe one of your things that you want to get done in the week because you just feel like it will really feed your creativity and again, all there's no right or wrong answer to any of these things, by the way. You get the same things done if you have one rock that has to do with your work or two or three, um, but they just, it's about how you want to feel. And so there was a week where I was like, I just got to clean this space. And I cleaned the space and I had been struggling with this idea for weeks. And all of a sudden I sat down in this clean space and it was like, oh yeah, that's what I need to do. And so you never know where these ideas come from, but we do. We do as women. I believe that we know this. Like I believe that I knew that my space had to be clean. And so I find it's a practice, but as you sit down every week to plan your week, you become you get more and more in tune with what it is that you actually need to do for the week um, that may or may not be all related to work. Does that make sense? And there's weeks where many of us, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you're going on vacation, 
you could still, I still recommend doing all these planning things, whether you're working, whether you're on vacation, because I think it's really powerful. Um, especially when we have a hard time transitioning to break your big three, all about how you want to be on vacation. And so in that case, probably a work thing wouldn't come on it. And just so you know, and I think if you're a mom, you've maybe experienced this, but we can be really productive. Like we can get a lot done in less time once we become a mom. And I remember when I first, I, when I first had my oldest, who's now 16, about 15, um, I'm adding a year to his life. When I first had my oldest, I owned a design company. Actually, I owned a design company when all my kids were born. And, but with my oldest and I was trying to figure out, you know, how I could do what, what, when. And at that point I had an office and there was people there. So it wasn't like I could work from home. And, but I, I set up this amazing situation, which is a whole story for another episode. But one of the things I found is I didn't have to work five days. I could get exactly what I got done before I had a child in four days. And eventually I figured out how to get it done in three days as I got more children and need, you know, really was wanting to be home with them a little bit more. So it's, it's interesting how time we put all these rules on it, but actually we can get what we need done. It, it's, it's less about time and more about intention, more about our focus and, and planning really helps us get that focus is what I have found. And so it could be that you have the biggest work week of your life. And in your big three, there's the biggest work thing in your life is thing one. And you break it down really clearly into the one thing you need to get each done each day to make that big thing come to life. And your other two could be totally different. One could be about your food, or it could be about your exercise, or it could be about getting more sleep. Um, it does not have to be about your work to affect your work. All right. And especially if you're at work on this big week, thinking about where the kids are, what the kids are doing, then you need a, an area where you're planning for that, where you're understanding that and you're not thinking about it for extra time. Okay. So those, that's the big three. That's what I got. That's different on the big three. And I think that's really important. And I think that that is one of those things that appears in many different planning models. Um, and so really remembering that your big three might not all be work-related, I think is important. Okay. Number six is plan your rejuvenation. And my thought about this is that it belongs back in five. So I already really talked about it because I fit those into your, your big three. Um, and you can plan more rest and rejuvenation. It just so happens that in this book and actually probably in at least half of the books that I've gone through, the rejuvenation piece, which is an important piece of many planning processes, is left to, you know, nights and more early mornings. Like there's a big thing about a morning routine and a morning routine is fabulous. Oh my gosh. I have loved building my morning routine this year, but I couldn't have done that with little babies waking up at five and 6am, not in the way that they're explained in these amazing books. So 
I think that's really important is that a lot of times these rejuvenation practices get talked about in the early morning, morning routines. I mean, there's whole books written on morning routines or, you know, after work or on the weekends. And I don't know if anyone has ever felt this, but when my kids were young, I remember my husband and I looked at us one day, each other one day and someone had said, thank goodness it's Friday. And I was like, oh my gosh, when did that change? Because Fridays were kind of this day where we were like, how are we going to get through the weekend? <laughs> how are we going to make it through to Sunday night or to Monday morning when we get a babysitter or some help or some, or maybe they were in preschool. I don't remember, but you know, the weekends were long when the kids were little and it wasn't so much, thank God it was Friday. It was really, thank goodness it was Monday. And so just really that idea that this rejuvenation might have to happen more regularly throughout the day that it actually sometimes needs to be our focus. That's why I put it in those big three, because sometimes that's really the things like we know we're going to get our work done, but we're taking care of ourselves. We don't always put first. And that's why I think sometimes that has to go into our big three, into our three big rocks and why it can't always be thought of separate. It can't be that side thing for us. Like it might work if you're not the primary caregiver and you're not worried about your kids all day, then it might work. But for most moms, most people tuning in, that is a, a real truth. And I know that pe there's people listening who don't even have a spouse. And then it's like really a real truth. So remember that. Remember that those things are really important to plan for. And that doesn't mean that they take away from your work week. It's like those rocks I explained going into that jar. It just means that you tend to them. It means you make sure first that they have the space they need, and then you move on to the other stuff. There's always going to be lots of little stuff. But if you tend to the, whatever those three big rocks are, if you tend to them first, the other stuff is all going to get done. It's just a matter of, of when. If you really fed yourself well, if that's one of your big rocks, or slept well because that's one of your big rocks, and gotten this part of a project done because that's part of your big rocks, you're going to feel so good after that, whether it had to do with work, home, rejuvenation, whatever it had to do with. All right. I think that's what I got for today. I'm super excited. I, I might make a list of all these books I'm reading because I think it's really useful. But for today, I was really zeroing in on one particular ch chapter of Michael Hyatt's book, Free to Focus. Feel free to go get it. Um, I have it. I think it's a great book. And I think the thing that as women we just have to look out for is that we just need to check in with ourselves and begin to understand how the way we work naturally um, might be a little bit different than how our the patriarchal workforce was set up way back when. Um, it just might not go with our rhythms and it might not go with our intentions around the balance of parenting and wellness and work that we need to create for ourselves, whether we're an entrepreneur or have a full-time job. I've really seen it work for everybody, y'all. So know that anything is possible. All right. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. 
And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.